Welcome to the international teaching ministry of Dr. Joseph G. Matera. As the presiding bishop of Christ Covenant Coalition, he travels the world teaching biblical truth with profound results in both the church world and the marketplace. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart and transform your mind as His Word is spoken by one of God's ablest communicators. I want us to pray at this time. Father, we thank you that we can think about this 32-year uh, history that we have, the lives that have been changed, the people who are still with us for that length of time, uh, the people who are yet to come, and what you are doing now in our youth, what you're doing now in transforming families. That we, and we want to thank you, even as you said in Psalm 103, to bless the Lord, all oh, our soul, and forget not all of his benefits. And Father, we don't forget your benefits, even as you told the children of Israel to assemble before you three times a year with feasts to think about and celebrate the things that you've done, as, like, like the Passover, how they constantly celebrated how you took them out of Egypt, you took them out of slavery, you took them through the Red Sea, you brought them into the Promised Land. Father, we just want to thank you today. We want to thank you for 32 years. We want to thank you for all the lives that have been changed, all the families restored, all the destinies that have been enacted. And Father, we want to thank you for the great purpose that you've given us as a church. And we thank you, God, that the best is yet to come. And so, Father, as we sow our tithes and offerings today, we thank you that this is an investment in good soil. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive our tithes and offerings at this time. So quiet. <laughs> Sunday school, stand in the aisles. We're going to pray for you before you go downstairs. Jose, no, you cannot go to Sunday school. Stay right there. Don't you move. Oh, how cutie. Why don't we stand our hands as we pray for them. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for the children. We thank you, Lord, that you've created them with a purpose and a destiny, Father. And Lord, we just pray your blessing upon them, God, that they would hear your word, that the word would take root in their hearts, God, that their hearts would be like sponges, God, that you would give them understanding of your word. Father, you give wisdom to the teachers, oh God, that you would guide them as they articulate your word and convey your word to them creatively. So Father, we just pray your blessing upon them as they go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, little ones. 
Again, let's welcome the bishop of the house. He's bringing forth the word. Amen. Uh, I just forgot to add one thing. What really helped for me to stay in this church that he's a Yankee fan, he's a Giant fan. So that was, a, that was an in. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 17. And then next week, we're beginning again our series on the book of Luke. We took a two-week reprieve from that during the anniversary season. And so we talk about John 17. So, Father, we pray that you'd bless your word now. Help us to understand it. Help us, O oh God, to receive what the Spirit is saying to our church. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, in John 17, we find a prayer that was profound. It was a prayer of Jesus. This is the probably the only time we get into a, a full prayer of Jesus. We get a peek into his prayer life. Uh, he taught us how to pray in Luke chapter 11 and Matthew chapter 6. However, that was not him praying. It was him teaching us a framework of how to pray. But this is actually his prayer. And what I want to talk about today is being a church that is sent. That is sent. And by the time I finish this today, you're going to realize something very powerful and if you just listen to this one part, you'll catch the whole message. What I'm about to say is the framework for the whole message. You were not merely born, you were sent. You were not just born, you were sent. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, Jesus' prayer is replete with constantly referring to the fact that he was sent by the Father into the world. He never said once I was born. He said I was sent into the world. Born means that, well, you know, you happen to come into this earth physically, but that could be through no intention of your parents. It could be an accident. It could be, well, I was born and I got to just, you know, find God and somehow God starts off when I'm born and starts trying to give me a purpose. That's not how it worked. How it worked was... God knew you before your mother knew you. God knew you before you were in your mother's womb. God knew you and gave you a purpose way before the earth was even framed. And so even before time, it says that he chose us before the foundation of the world. And before time began, God knew you, knew your name. He knew Resurrection Church. And then he backed up and gave you a physical body. And so you could celebrate your birthday, that's fine, but when you celebrate your birthday, it doesn't mean much unless you connect it to your purpose. You see, that's why you were brought into the world, because of a purpose God had for you. And if you don't understand that purpose, then you're going to waste your life. There are billions of people in the world today who don't have a clue why they're here. They think it's so they could have a good job, a good house, or... They could, uh, you know, enjoy their life. But there's no purpose. There's no uh, transcendent purpose beyond working and then 
having a job and having retirement and living a comfortable life or what they call the American dream. God is a lot bigger than the American dream. God is a lot bigger than just living or existing. God gave you something really big. God gave you something really powerful. God gave you something bigger than anything you could dream. A reason why He made you. He made you to do something special because you are special. You are unique. There'll never be another you in this world. There'll never ever be another person with your fingerprint. And there'll never be another person who could leave a footprint on the earth like you can if you follow God's purpose. The world has probably not even seen what God could do with a person who's fully committed to Him, fully yielded to Him. So can you imagine if today you made a decision, I'm going to be fully obedient, fully yielded to God. I'm going to put God first. I'm going to seek God. Can you imagine what would happen to your life? What would happen to your friends? What would happen to your family? What would happen to your surroundings? What would happen to everything you ever touched or walked into? You see... You have to tap into God's purpose. You were not just born, you were sent. God knew you before you were born. God knew you before your mother knew you. God knew you before the world was introduced to you. God knew you before you had a physical body. God knew you before your mother and father gave you a natural name. And he gave you a purpose. It says you had a purpose in Christ Jesus before time began. It says in Second uh, uh, Timothy chapter 1. Uh, and then he gave you a body. And so what we have to understand is why God sent us and how we could operate in that realm. So I never look at myself as just being born. I know I had a purpose. I know I had a destiny. And I'm trying to walk in that destiny and that purpose. When you look at your life that way, it will totally change. There are millions and billions of people wasting time right now. You don't have to be one of them. And the only way is to understand the principles of being sent. And that's what I want to do now. I want us to look in John chapter 17. We're going to start at verse 1. And we're going to deal with the uh, principles of one being sent. So Jesus started off saying, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. Now, the word glorify in this context has to do with highlighting, has to do with giving you a platform. So basically, Jesus is saying, glorify me so that I could glorify you. A lot of people have it turned the other way around. If you really want to be sent, if you really want to have a purpose... It can't be that you want to be highlighted and then God is glorified. It has to be that God highlights you. He says, God, glorify your son that your son may glorify you. A lot of times we want to be glorified. A lot of times we want to be the center of attention. A lot of times we want to be on the platform. We want to be the focus. I've said it in the past. There are some people who want to be the bride at every wedding and the corpse at every funeral. And what we have to realize is the only way to fulfill God's purpose is we have to live to highlight God. He has to be the number one reason why we live. And we have to realize that anybody who elevates themselves is not going to last long. There are people who through ambition, through their own focus, their own power, you could even read uh, some of these uh, motivational books by Napoleon Hill and, 
and Tony Robbins, and I've read so many of these books, I can't tell you, there's a lot of good principles. But at the end of the day, if you try to elevate yourself just through your natural abilities and natural focus, God is not going to bless that. It's not going to last long term. You'll never be able to last. It's not just through natural abilities. And so we have to understand God highlights us. God highlights us. And then we know what it is he wants us to do. I never try to create my own thing now. After years and years and years of being a Christian and being in ministry, I realize if God isn't doing something, if God isn't leading, if God doesn't initiate it, I don't want to do it. That's why I try to hear from God. There are people who their life is driven by positions and titles, and they want this thing and that thing, and they get very upset if they don't have something conferred upon them. But you got to realize if God didn't lead it, it wouldn't be good for you. If God doesn't want it, then you're not going to have it. And if you have it and God doesn't want it, it's not going to last anyway. And if God wants you to have something, nobody could stop it. It'll happen anyway. So Jesus realizes. He said, Father, glorify me so that I can glorify you. He didn't create his own platform. God created it. And as a church, as a sent church, we want God to initiate his will. The second thing he says, as you've given him authority over all flesh, that he can give eternal life to all whom you've given him. Jesus had authority over all flesh. We as individuals have influence with some flesh. You see the difference? See, all heaven and earth, all the authority of the spirit and natural world was given to Jesus. But to us as his church, every one of us has a part of that to represent him. The body of Christ in the world, the global body of Christ, true believers, have authority over every nation, tribe, kindred, and tongue. We have the ability to go to, as a collective body, God has called us to reach every person in the world. God has called us to go to every nation in the world. God has called us to translate scripture into every tongue, every language, start churches in every village, in every hamlet, every city, and every nation can understand the gospel. But as a church, we've been given an authority over a certain region. Now, in our particular church, uh, collectively, we've never just been a local church. We have never just been called to reach Sunset Park. That's why we have people coming from Long Island. We've had someone coming from the Poconos. We have people coming, many, many, many from Staten Island, many from New Jersey, many from other parts, and many from other boroughs. So when we had the, uh, the snowstorm last week, People who lived in walking distance came. So those in our zip code came. So we had about 50. And, uh, yeah, and some people took the subway, uh, a few. But um, some of the subways uh, was challenging as well. But the point is, it showed us that most of our church is outside of this community. We are an apostolic church. An apostolic church draws people who are driven by purpose, not by convenience, not by location, not by geography. They want to go where they're equipped. They want to go where they're going to hear the word of the Lord. They want to go where they know God has assigned them. And an apostolic church uh, 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 causes people with a hunger for God, a zeal for God, and a call to reach their destiny want to come. Uh, they, they're just hungry for that. They don't want to just go to church to be entertained. They don't want to just go to church to feel good. And so with our church, we have had 
authority way beyond this community. We've had prayer meetings that have influenced the whole city. We used to have city church meetings for about a year or two. Every uh, once a month on a Sunday night with leaders from all over, hundreds of leaders would come to hear the word of the Lord and get blessed. I can't tell you all the different things that have happened throughout the last 32 years, but have shown that it's beyond just one community. Even Children of the City has been a model. Uh, even World Vision, as far as I know, they mimicked, uh, uh, modeled, and reproduced our after-school philosophy and reproduced that in uh, all over the country. So our church has had a tremendous impact. And so as a sent church, we have to know our realm of influence, and it's way beyond one community. And then he says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom, they have, whom you have sent. He's saying this is the bottom line, that they may know you, eternal life. It's not enough that we're nice to our neighbors. It's not enough that we're, you know, likable in our communities, in our jobs, in our homes. You know, the bottom line is eternal life. And so you could be nice. You could shovel the snow for everybody on your block. You could... Um, Say hi to everybody. But at some point, we have to share the gospel. Because how can they believe unless someone preaches to them? The bottom line is eternal life. So your purpose, I don't care if you have the greatest, uh, uh, you know, media uh, uh, job in the world. You could be an anchor on television. You could uh, be a famous billionaire. You could be a real estate mogul. You could have uh, all this influence as an athlete. But if you don't use it to share the gospel... Bottom line is you're missing your greatest calling. The reason why God gave you that position as an architect or a plumber or a police officer or as a mother or a father or whatever you do for a living is ultimately to bring people to the saving knowledge of Christ. And I thank God we have people like Maritza Fred and others who lead evangelistic teams several times a week. They have amazing testimonies and we need to start sharing it. They have seen countless people saved, brought to Christ. They minister to homeless people. They minister to people who have no hope. They move in the power of God, and they're seeing many, many people come to Christ. Many of you on your jobs are doing that, and we don't even know about it. This is a church that has a call to bring Christ to people. And then he said in verse 4, I have glorified you on the earth, having finished the work you gave me to do. A lot of people start off great. A lot of people start off strong. But Jesus said, I've glorified you when I finished the work. Someone say, when I finished the work. It's not how good you start, it's how you finish that matters. There's a lot of churches that start. Ever since 9-11, there's been a lot of churches that have started. I thank God for that. But most of them don't last past five years. Um, I had a friend of mine who was leading a prayer meeting for maybe 30 pastors in Manhattan and uh, I told him, I wanted to go to this prayer meeting. This is about a year ago. And he said, I don't have it anymore. I said, why? He said, because they're not here anymore. What do you mean not here? They were all gone. They either left the ministry, they moved, or the churches fell apart. And I'm not happy about that. I want all. I wish all of them would last. But I understand one thing. Uh, I could run the marathon, and I could train to be the fastest person running three miles. And everybody could look at that first three miles and say, man, that guy is incredible. He's beating the Kenyans. He's beating the Africans. He's beating this guy. He's beating that guy. But these guys paced themselves 
to run 26.5 miles, right? So I can run faster than anybody else at three miles. But then after the third mile, I'm going to be, oh, oh, oh. And some people are like shooting stars. God has called us to continue as a church for multitudes of generations, a multi-generational church. God wants the next generation better than this. That's why he's called us to pour into the youth. I thank God for my wife has such a burden for the young people and pours into the youth ministry and others that have done that. We understand that God has called us to be stronger in the future than we are now. We don't want to be a church that lasts for 35 years and then we don't exist anymore. We don't want to be a church that lasts for two generations and then we don't exist anymore. We don't want to be a church that lasts for three or four generations and then we don't exist anymore. We want a church that continues until he come. That's why the sign of our church says, Resurrection Church, it's until he come. The year we started, until he come. We want to be here. It could be 10,000 years from now. We want to be the devil's worst nightmare. We want to be uh, a church that continues to plant other churches, send other leaders out, strengthen families, restore families, and not have a generation gap, but have our young people connected to the house, connected to the life of this church, connected to everything God is doing, and teach them and train them how to have their own families and have them be more powerful than we are. So we don't want to just start strong. We want to end well. And then he said, and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory I've had with you before the world began. Again, he had purpose even before the world began. He understood that purpose was there before he came physically. And he said, glorify me in your own presence. There's nobody here who's going to be able to fulfill their purpose in life. Our church will not be able to fulfill its destiny if we don't walk in God's presence. How many know it? If we don't pray, if we don't continue to raise the level of prayer up, we're, we're going to be, we're, it's a joke. You know, any church, any Christian that thinks that they can fulfill God's will without being a person of prayer, it's a total joke. And you could even have numbers, you could have administration, you could have programs, but are you changing lives? You see, it could only happen. You could only fulfill your purpose if you walk in God's presence. That's why we have to continue to turn the heat up. We can't just say prayers. We have to seek God. We have to be a church that seeks God. And I'm happy. I'm excited that we have prayer calls every morning at 6 a.m. We have prayer calls taking place for various issues at 8 o'clock almost every day. We have prayer calls with some of the leaders at 8 o'clock on Saturday with some of the men and the women. We have prayer that takes place during the service, before the service. We have people constantly assigned to pray. We have people assigned to pray when there's crises, when there's trouble. We've had a a weekly prayer meeting in our church for 32 years. Isn't that amazing? And sometimes it may only be a few, but we will not put that light out. The light will not stop. The light of God will not be put out. That light, it could be very small, but only takes a small light uh, to outshine all the darkness around it. There might be two or three at times, but those two or three, Jesus said, if there are two or three gathered in my name, there am I. Two will put 10,000, not a 1,000 of flight. Three will put three, 30,000 to flight. And so when we come together, we have the ability to change the destiny of nations. That's why I encourage you, come Tuesday nights. Pray in your life groups. 
Pray when you come together for practice or for uh, meetings with your teams or whatever you're doing. Pray because it's only through the presence of God we can fulfill the purpose of God. And then I'm going to skip over some of this. I want to go to verse 15. And then he's continuing this prayer and he says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Oh my God, so many Christians I meet are saying, I can't wait for the rapture. I can't wait for Jesus to come back. And I tell them, I don't want Jesus to come back right now. There's too many people who are lost. Too many people who will wind up in the wrong place for eternity. There's too much work to do. As a matter of fact, every time you pray for the rapture, you're praying against the prayer of Jesus. Jesus said, I pray not that you take them out of the world. He doesn't want you out of the world. He doesn't want you to avoid the pain. He doesn't want you to avoid the challenges. He wants you to become a problem solver. Every time you have a problem, it's an opportunity for God to bring you to the next level. Every time there is a challenge, it's an opportunity. Every time there is an issue, it means you could grow. You could become more mature. Every time someone hurts you, you can learn how to love those those who don't love you. Every time there is a mountain, you can move it by faith. And so God doesn't want you out of the world. God doesn't want Resurrection Church to have an escapist mentality, to be mystical, to be impractical, to be so spiritual that we're no earthly good. We don't want to just be a church that thinks of spiritual things, but we want the spiritual things that God gives us in prayer, in prophecy, when we hear from Him, to change our world. God doesn't want to take you out of the pain. God wants you to learn how to deal with the pain with His power, with His purpose. You know, I, I said it in the first service. If you want a church that has no issues, it's impossible to find one. Because as soon as you go to that church, you're going to bring in issues. Because you have issues. I have issues. If you want a perfect marriage, you'll never find it. Perfect children, you'll never find it. If you... Don't want to deal with pain, you won't do anything. You will not fulfill your purpose. Jesus wants us to be a church that engages, not escapes. He said, I pray not that you escape the world or taken out of the world, but that you're kept from the evil one. What does that mean? That means that we need to learn how to respond to God, in God, when we have pain, when we have challenge, you could either become bitter or better. And it's very powerful how he said, just keep, the, don't keep them from the world, keep them from the evil one. Why? The world is not the problem, but it's the satanic principles. You could fall into the satanic principle of dealing with things. You uh, become vindictive, bitter, hate. I want to kill this one. I hate this one. Or you could learn to allow the Lord to help you with the people and with the issues. And it's going to bring me to the next point. John 17, 20. Uh, Jesus said, I do not pray for these alone, but for those who will believe in me through their word. So the apostles preach the word, and that's why we're here. We believe in Jesus through their word, that they all may be one. Someone say, be one. Even as I am in you, Father, and you are in me, 
May they be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you sent me, and have loved them even as you love me. Wow. So what Jesus is praying is that we would be one. Now, what is his model for this oneness? As Jesus is in the Father, and the Father's in Jesus. Wow. So the Trinity of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is our model for oneness. Now, a lot of times we pray for unity in the church. Jesus didn't pray for unity. He prayed for oneness. That's even deeper than unity. See, unity is temporary. Right now, we all have unity because we're in the same meeting. We have the same temporary purpose. We're listening to the same person, and I wish you would stop. And we are trying to identify with this one meeting. But unity is temporary. God wants to bring us from unity to oneness. Oneness is more powerful. Oneness means that we're one heart, one mind, one soul. In other words, we have the same purpose. Once we go from unity, unity is important because it gives us a platform to make us one. But unity is not enough. But if we could use our unity to become one, there's no stopping us. And as we read the Gospels and we read the book of Acts, we find the secret of the power of the early church was they were one. None of the possessions they had were their own. They shared everything. They were of one heart, one mind, one soul. They continued in prayer, continued sitting under the apostles' doctrine, continued preaching. In other words, they had a united purpose. And that's what we are called to have in this church, a united purpose. We're called to have oneness. Now, oneness doesn't come without pain. Oneness doesn't come without process. It's easy to have unity through events. You could try to have unity through one program after another, one event after the next. That's just an event. Oneness means you're doing life together. That's why we have life groups. That's why we call them life groups. We want you to do life with each other. We don't want you just to come on Sunday. We want people to walk with you when you're in pain. We want people to pray with you. We want people to rejoice with you uh, when, you're, when things are going well. We want people to walk with you and help you fulfill your purpose because God knows nobody could do it by themselves. We all need each other. As a matter of fact, there's no such thing as individual destiny, individual purpose. You cannot fulfill your purpose without the body of Christ because the body of Christ is a body. It would be like saying, I could cut my finger off and my finger is so strong. I've been working my finger out so much. It's so quick. Oh, as a matter of fact, two fingers, man, I could grab a, any fly and I could kill that fly. I'm so fast. Well, cut those two fingers off, they die. Cut the hand off, it dies. Take the ear off, it doesn't hear anymore, right? And Jesus calls us his body. That means as the ear cannot function without the head, as the head cannot function without the neck, as the neck cannot function without the heart, as the nervous system cannot function without other systems in the body, you cannot function without the body of Christ. So our purpose has to involve the church. And he says that you may be made perfect in one. That word perfect in the Greek means to be mature. Do you know that you can't grow in Christ without trying to be one with the church? 
you can't grow in church just with reading the Bible and praying on your own. I mean, it's good. I wish you'd read the Bible and pray a lot. You'd probably grow the most there. But he says that you may be made perfect in one. That means if you read the Bible and pray, but you don't get involved in the local church, and you're not involved in the functional body of Christ, you will not mature. You understand? Because you've got to put your prayers into practice. You've got to put your walk into practice. You've got to learn how to walk with other people. And it says that you may be made perfect, which implies it's going to be rough at times. The Bible says as iron sharpens iron. It's going to be hard. And I'll tell you right now, if you're involved in any family, you're going to have issues. Anytime I think I have issues in my family, all I've got to do is talk to one of you all. I say, oh, my God, I thought we had some tough times. And you talk to someone else, and you oh, I thought it was hard for me. Everybody's got a story. Someone say everyone's got a story. It's a miracle we're still here together. It's a miracle we still have our families. It's a miracle we're still one. As a matter of fact, it's a miracle we're here. It's God's grace. It's God's power. It's, we come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord, right? And so God has brought us together. And it's going to be a journey. It's going to be a process. But you can't mature in God by yourself. Part of the maturity is going to be dealing with people's personalities, dealing with their issues, dealing with their problems. People are flaky. People drop the ball. People uh, do more than anybody else does. Uh, you know, usually in any business or any church, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. The 20% that do 80% of the work have to always guard their heart against being bitter. Right? There are people with the same title and position as someone else. Some of them don't carry their weight. Some of them don't do what they're supposed to do. But others make up for it. Others do more. That's going to be in every family. Right? In every church. In every business. In every reality that we're in. And so we mature by learning how to live together, and how to fulfill our purpose together. And God has called us to be one. And being one is what's going to release the glory of God. So I want us to pray. Father, Father, we thank you that you have called us to be one. Thank you that you didn't call us to escape the world. You said, I've not called you to leave the world, but to keep you from the evil one. And so, Father, I thank you that you have called us as a church to do great things. And I thank you, God, that the Spirit has rested upon us and spoken to us today. You have just listened to a life-changing message. For more information about Dr. Matera, to read his numerous articles and teachings, or to inquire about more audio and visual resources, go to his website at www.josephgmatera.com.